Let's, let's get ready for the word. God, I thank you for the honor that we have to come into your presence through praise and worship and just even how present you were in our worship, that, that we get to be so close to you. You say as we draw close to you, draw close to us. And that's what we've done this morning. Right now, we know that your word can be planted in our hearts. So our heart is the soil and your word is the seed. So will you prepare our hearts for your word to be planted, that it would go deep in, produce a harvest. If there's anything in our hearts that's hard, I thank you that you can do a surgery right now and make it soft. God, we submit to you now. We want to do your will. We resist the devil. We thank you that he has to flee. We pray hedge protection around us and our children. We pray that in this hedge protection, you'd minister to us, bring healing and breakthrough and direction. Pray that anyone who's without hope in this place, that you by your grace would knock on the door of their heart and draw them unto yourself so they can open up that door and receive you as their savior in Jesus' name. And everyone believe it said? Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. So good to have you in the house. For our first time guests, my name's Andre. And uh, people who drink our coffee fall more in love with Jesus. They drink it and they say, thank you, Jesus, for this coffee. So it's a spiritual step. I encourage you to use your voucher. But if you like our chocolate, same principle happens. So you can go to the red, the red banner for your first one. Um, and like Chris saying, it's been a phenomenal season. Um, over two years now, I actually thought it was longer. But the last two years, of course, we've stepped out into Malpos. And then God did a miracle there, brought two churches together um, after uh, we'd been there for 11 months. And then Camps Bay, we, we planted in Camps Bay. Um, we're pretty much going to be doing our first birthday soon um, over there. And, and that's got healthy and strong week by week, uh, well, month by month. And then just we've seen such good signs of health. And then Lucanio stepped out into Peter Maritzburg. We sent him to Peter Maritzburg to become the youngest lead pastor in our denomination um, of a church. So Dietz is there this weekend preaching. And, and we, of course, are in partnership with that church. They're not, they're not a view church, but we're fully committed to the journey and creating accountability and health. So Dieter's preaching there, and, and we'll, we'll always give you feedback about what's happening over there. And like Chris said, we've, we've not only been able to do that year, but we've been able to sow uh, into the next church planting, Kales River, sow into church planting in um, Zambia. And we've got missionaries. We've still sent the most missionaries into Zambia out of any church in the denomination. So we we see ourselves as a church that's that's totally connected to that mission. And um, then my wife and I oversee the Ark get-togethers in the Western Cape, uh, which um, which is there to serve churches as a generous gift from us as a church to churches. None, all denominations come to that. And and then um, in November, Leanne, I'll go up to Bloom to set up their first Ark get together and, and, and release it to uh, a church called Leaven of Wurt over there who are going to head that up. But the reason I tell you that is, is one day we're going to get to heaven, and as a church, we're going to meet people who you never knew you were part of. You were sowing, we were building the kingdom. So I just want to honor you guys for all of that, and, and that, that we build together, and that we always remember we never walk alone, Liverpool. Anyway, amen, amen. Come on, we're always connected. Anyway, just that, you have to add that in. But we've been doing matters of the heart. And the first week, we, we, we looked at the truth that we're actually stewards and not owners. And when you feel like you're the owner, you can also get into a bad place. Maybe uh, pride will kick in, and, and it's a whole thing of um, independence. Um, and you were never created to be an island, but, but uh, ownership could get you a place where you think you own everything. But we looked at Scripture and it says, everything belongs to the Lord. 
that he owns everything. And we realize then we're stewards. If God owns everything, what's my role? Then I'm a steward. And the peace that comes with being a steward, that actually we get to honor God and we wake up and say, this is all yours. And what a privilege that you've entrusted me with this. And I get to steward this and live for you. Uh, but but uh, we, I mentioned that, that uh, maturity is, is when you step into stewardship. But you'll find you become very immature when you live in a place of ownership. And not that we are neglect what we've got. My dad taught me that, that I need to take better care of other people's stuff. So, so we take care of it. But you need to remember when you are getting into, uh, I made everything, I'm self-made, then you could get into an unhealthy space. But stewardship takes you into a place of maturity. Uh, last week, we looked at how uh, money speaks to you. It's actually, there's a spirit on money, and we don't want just a spirit, a spirit of mammon um, on money. We want the spirit of God on our resources, because money isn't bad, but the love of money is evil. It's, money's a resource. It can be a huge blessing to you and your family, to the next generation as you leave an inheritance, but also to our planet. Um, as we bring, see the gospel move forward. Uh, but this week, I want to look at principles of peace. And, and this is the final week of the series, and then we're going to go into a series called Running with Giants. Um, and so I don't want you to miss out on that. But, but, but first off, I'm going to look at Luke 15. It says, a few days later, well, actually, before I go there, Luke 15 is a scripture that tells you three stories about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Uh, what we learned from Luke 15 is that God has got a heart for lost things and he will do whatever it takes to see the lost return to him. And it speaks about us. He doesn't want us to live lost. He wants us to be found in his love, in his forgiveness. And the final story in this chapter, he tells a story about a lost son. And it says this about the son. Um, Actually, I've jumped. My, my iPad's messing around here. So, so before I go into that story, sorry, guys, that was a bad start. Will you forgive me? Best place to ask for forgiveness, church. Anyway, boom. You and I get stressed out. I don't know if you agree when you are always consumed with more. Have you ever felt like that? I need to have more. I need to get this. If I can, once I get this car or this house or once I get this, I'll be happy. And in that space, I have no doubt you have this desire for a season of peace. Where you go, if I can just breathe, if I can just be content, I'm going to be happy. Anyone ever thought that? Of course, I want to remind you that gratitude leads to contentment. And if you're not feeling content and you're chasing after more, you might have to just go back to a place of gratitude. Gratitude opens your eyes to what you have and it makes what you have more than enough. Gratitude opens your eyes and especially when you see who God is. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What we've learned in this series is that uh, you can chase after the temporary. And when your eyes are not on eternity, chasing after the temporary is like chasing after the wind. We even saw a parable where God says to this guy who builds bigger barns, he says, you fool, today your life will be demanded from you, and then who will spend your money? And he says to himself, I've accumulated so much, I need to sit down and be merry. I've got so much time ahead of me, I can spend all this money. But he never realized that what he had was temporary, and that what he needed to focus on was the eternal. Of course, you and I, I can't guarantee how long your life will be on earth. It's called the temporary, but I can guarantee that you'll live forever in heaven. 
And you and I get to make wise decisions out of that. So that brings me to the story of the son who actually was getting consumed with more. Luke 15, 11 to 12 says this, and Jesus speaking, he says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Of course, if you understand the story, he would have received his inheritance when his father passed away. So he's saying, what you can give me in relationship is not what is good as what you can give me in your death. I would like my inheritance. I would like the finances um, and this part of the state that you can give me. And with the hearers of the story would have been in shock. They would have breathed in, <gasps> because that would have been so offensive to say to your father, I wish you were dead. Can you give me what you'd give me when you die? Rather give it to me now. And he prematurely wanted it. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And I do want to point this out. It can sound weird, but sometimes you and I can knock on the door and ask God and ask God. And God will give us things that aren't healthy for us so that we can learn that those things aren't God that those things can't save us. And I encourage you to always be trusting God, praying for wisdom, asking God, or studying the word, because sometimes you can chase after things that are just gonna hurt you. This young man chases after, uh, after uh, wealth prematurely, and, and what happens with all of us is we get stressed out when we want everything now. This is, of course, a young man and I remember getting married, and my, my first year of marriage before that, I was in a bachelor pad, and I had, uh, uh, I had two different flatmates stay with me over there, and my parents gave me a couch, and it was broken. I remember just putting covers over it. I was a youth pastor. I, I remember certain sports days, football or rugby, I'd have like 10 or 12 teenage guys come to my house, and some of the leaders, and they would just come watch. We'd do like binge watching of, of rugby or soccer. Uh, what had happened was that sometimes, I don't know if you remember those super rugby mornings where the New Zealand games started early and South African teams were playing there. They would get there that early and they would stay at my house the whole day. What would happen is I would normally leave the house uh, like at about 10 and then return at four um, and then just say, can you guys clean up? But those guys were raucous. I remember the one guy who was over 100 kgs. I don't know what, had, what was happening. They were wrestling and then they broke the bed and I came. I know. Anyway, I was like, um, Jesus, please bless this stuff. Of course, I, um, that was me as a youth pastor. And it was probably a good thing to keep broken furniture at that point. But, but when I got married, my wife had to move into the house and, and all the couches were broken and we just put covers over it. And of course, you can imagine the stress nowadays because everything's supposed to go on Instagram. Hey, So um, your furniture has to look good. And so I encourage you just to create a little corner for your Instagram, okay, and keep everything else broken. But... But um, my wife was studying. She was in her final year of medicine, and it was just my youth pastor's salary. And you know what? That was a phenomenal year because we knew it was coming. We, we diligently budgeted, and it was fun. We were happy. We were content. Next year, you know what happens? My wife becomes a doctor. We're rich. Anyway, so <laughs> what stuff should we buy now, babe? Since we've lived in brokenness for so long and God wants to heal us. Um, and all of a sudden you go from this place of contentment to this place of wanting more. And then you get more and you realize 
that just because you get more stuff doesn't mean you get more peace. Just because you get more stuff doesn't mean you're happy. That happiness is connected to being content, and contentment is connected to being grateful. And this young guy wants more, and he wants it now. Luke 15, verse 13, a few days later, this young man, this youngest son, packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Probably like went to Man United games. Total waste of time. Anyway, <laughs> just wouldn't do it. Bad joke, I know. We get stressed when we engage in self-destructive behavior. And you might be punishing yourself. Maybe there's things that you know you shouldn't be doing or spending your money on, and you're the one robbing yourself of peace. And you need to become aware of it. You need to open your eyes. Don't be, we aren't unaware of the schemes of the enemy. And sometimes you can just blame the devil, you know? It wasn't me. You know? But um, like, like with the joke is, you get to heaven, and the devil's like, they blame me for everything. It, most of it was them. I know it's a bad joke, but sometimes it isn't the enemy. It's just us desiring the wrong things, spending money on the wrong things. Of course, Luke 15 verse 14 says, about the time his money ran out. And yes, when we spent everything, we spent. We get stressed when, we, when we're living at the edge always, or pretty much living over the edge. It's like the old lady who interviews drivers, and, and the, the one driver comes and says, well, you know, I've driven, I can drive this close to a car, and I can drive uh, one, centimeter, you mean, one centimeter off the, the edge of a cliff, like I'll be the best driver. The next guy comes, and she goes, like, how do you drive? How close to cars? Because the previous guy told me he can do one centimeter. So I can drive 0.5 off the edge of the cliff, and, and I can do uh, 10 centimeters away from another car. She interviews the third guy, says, you know, I've heard these guys tell me this. Um, how close would you go to the edge of a cliff and how close would you come to Christ? He says, why would I ever do that? Why would I ever put your life at risk? I would rather be driving far away from the edge and keeping a healthy distance because you're my priority. And why would we live our lives at the edge of the cliff or over the edge? But this young man ends up spending everything and it says, once his money ran out, a great famine swept over the, la the land, and he began to starve. Y you and I get stressed out when we're unprepared for a storm. You know the world's saying that we're about to face a storm. Crazy thing about, uh, we've got neighbors who are from Southampton, and, and they go there twice a year. And, and uh, the prices of electricity, uh, what's happening over there, um, I think they're planning on load shedding over there soon. Check as you guys like. That's what I've heard in France. I've heard that the, they, there's France supposedly going to go into load shedding. We're like, oh, been there, done it. <laughs> hey? Yeah. The crazy thing, listen here. I, I've got to travel to the States for church, and when they go through hard times, it's like the end of the world. I, I, South Africans, it's like, been there, done it. We'll get through this. We're going to be good. It's crazy. There is a resilience about us. But I want to let you know, it's not about us. It's by the grace of God. Don't ever look the goodness of God for our nation and for you and for your family. God is still on the throne. 
And so even as they're saying there might be a recession coming, can I want to encourage you to plan? You know what? Because it says in this life you'll have trouble. There will be storms. We do live on planet Earth. We are connected with the world economy. We are going to face storms. But you and I, if we can be wise, we can still have peace in a storm. Jesus slept while there was a storm. Please be prepared for what's to come. So then he finally comes to his senses, Luke 15 verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He comes to his senses. He's aware that in his father's house, the servants have food to spare. What should that say to us? Well, since you and I are sons and daughters of God, and servants in our Father's house have food to spare, how much more when we're under His care will we have to spare? There will be overflow. There will, he will take care of us. Let's return to our Father. Let's return to His care. Let's return to a place of being under His authority and not just trying to live life for ourselves, wanting more, but let's be people who are patient for His timing. Not, Father, why don't you prematurely give me what I want now? No, no, your timing's perfect. God, I want to serve you. I want to be back in your house. And I want to say to you, as the church and the sons and daughters, under His care, there will always be food to spare. We will be the best people to come to if the nation is hungry. We'll be the best people to come to when the nation's lonely. We should have friendship overflowing. We should have a relationship. We should have a view group for everyone. We should, as his children, have food enough to spare. So I encourage you to come back to God. And how? Well, we need to look at who God is. There's a scripture, it's a famous scripture. Christmas scripture, Isaiah 9 verse 6, it's quoted in scripture in, in the Christmas season. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The word Prince of Peace in the ling original language is Sar Shalom. Sar is the one who's in charge. He's Lord. He's Chief. He's General. So when you see prince, he's not just the prince we see now, even as we, the, the royal families in front of us in the press as the, the queen's passed away, but, but this is a prince who's lord, he's general, he, that's what it would mean, he's the lord of peace. Shalom means rest, tran tranquility, wholeness, completeness, contentment. He's the lord of tranquility, of rest, he's the lord of wholeness, he's the lord of completeness, he's the lord of contentment, and if you come to your lord, he can bring his peace, his tranquility, his contentment into your life. He can, but the prince has principles. If you look at the, the uh, king of kings being the Lord, you'll always see peace connected to it. And Romans 5 verse 1 says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there are many scriptures where you'll see it speak about him being Lord and there being peace. Uh, Psalm 4 verse 8, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 29 verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The prince has prin uh, principles. 
They're principles of peace. Acts 10 verse 36 says, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of? Of course, you've heard it being said, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord. And so you and I come to the Lord of all. The son sees, he remembers, he comes to his sense of my father's house. Even the servants have food enough to spare. Clearly we can trust our father. He's a good father. He owns cattle in a thousand hills. He's the one we can run to even as we potentially face a storm. Or he's the one we can run to when we get to an unhealthy place where we think we're owners. We realize he owns everything. He's the one we can run to when greed is gripping our life. And we don't want to live in that place. We need to go to God. Most of our stress comes from ignoring God's principles. That's where most of our stress comes from. When you are at peace with your most important people in your life, in relationships, come on, you're more blessed. Have you ever had an argument with your spouse? And until it's sorted out, you don't feel this peace. You can go and watch the sunset. You'll watch it in stress. You can go on a holiday in stress. You can drive to work. Your wife phones you. I'm so, so And you say, I'm so sorry. She says, I'm so sorry. You can go to the most stressful meeting now in peace. You understand? People don't get, it's all about your most important relationships having peace. And God is your most important relationship. If you've got peace with God, you can go into any stress. You can go to storms. You can sleep in the boat. You can have things come against you. If my God is for me, who can be against me? Here we go. <laughs> peace. The, the prince has principles. The first uh, principle I want to give you, and you guys know it, and I'm actually going to ask you to preach this principle with me, and I'll tell you when, but it's the principle of obedience. The first place we need to be obedient is find out how God wants us to honor him with finance. And it can be a, a thing where you've not done it. And I've had people come into church and say, I want to honor him, but I can't. What's been amazing is I've had single moms um, say, I want to honor God in my finance. And, and I don't know, I can't honor him with the 10% of my income. So the question Leanne asked, well, what can you honor him with? So this mom said, I can do 1%. She said, go for it, man. See what God does, because he sees your heart. And, and she did it. And, and then I said, when God releases and brings more food into your house and there's food to spare, then take the next step. You know, within a few months, she was honoring God with 10% of her income. But what's crazy was both her sons got full bursaries as she was doing it. Because she thought, I got, and then God just opened the door. You do that, I'll open up the windows of heaven. But why tithe? Why, why do it? Well, Deuteronomy 14 verse 23, I don't have the scripture up here, but it says the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. He's prince. He's first. He's on the throne. That's the purpose of tithing. God doesn't need your money. He wants what it represents, your heart, because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you can't ever say, God, you have my heart, and then not deal with your money. It's like... It's, it's connected to our hearts. There's a, there's a line from our heart into our wallet. So you, God, here's my heart. You're like, what's that coming with my heart there? Like, stay. No, no. So, so Malachi 3, uh, 6 to 7 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Now I mentioned this last week. So, so the sins of Jacob are not destroyed. For ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. You could write there, you've turned away from my principles, not kept them. 
Return to me and I'll return to you. But you ask, how can I return? He says, will a man rob God, you, yet you rob me. But you ask, how do I rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse in the whole nation of you because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And here's the crazy thing. Test me in this. And this is where I need you to preach with me. I've been testing God in this since I was 18. I'm 44 now. I know, oil of delay. Anyway, I'm joking. Badger, didn't you get that? Souls is looking at me like, anyway, you look 58, bro. Anyway, but I've been testing God. He's blown my mind. God has done exceedingly bunny above, and it doesn't always happen, but it's happened. And this is where I want to, you to preach with me. If you have tested God in this area and you've seen his faithfulness, all I want you to do is you can say amen and clap if that is you. So anyone else? Because here's the thing. Yeah, cool. Anyone? Amen. Okay. And the reason, it's just that I need you to also hear test me from other people. And that's a simple way I can do a test me moment for you. But I want to encourage you to at some point test God in this and be obedient in this area. And of course he says, he says, um, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you won't have room enough for it. I, I don't know if you remember, the, the prodigal son says, in my father's house, even the servants have extra to spare. God says, if you test me in this, I'll make sure that you're so blessed there won't be room enough to contain them. Reminds me of the father's house, hey? And all the nations will call you blessed, for yours is a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the first principle of peace. Second one is contentment. I mentioned this. Gratitude is the secret to contentment. Gratitude is the secret to contentment. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There's great gain. You want some gain? You know many people go to the gym for some gains? You want some gains? Get some contentment. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing to the world and can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation, a trap, uh, fall into te uh, temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. They've wandered from the faith. Of course, how do you do that? Well, it says you can't serve God and money. You'll either love the one, hate the other. A love for money will cause you to walk away from God. Proverbs 38 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, Who's the Lord? Have you ever met somebody and you go, Hey, you need to put God first? And they, they've, actually, um, they, they've actually are living with too much wealth or too little. And it's like, well, Who's the Lord? It's a big deal, bro. Well, he's still the king of kings. He's still on the throne. It says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess one day. It says heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will stand. Who's the Lord? He's the prince of peace. We don't want to get to that place where it's like, what's the big deal, bro? Who's the Lord anyway? So we need to, we need to trust God who is Lord. 
It says, or I may become poor and steal. So, so don't give me riches too much and I'll disown you. Who's the Lord? And don't give me poverty that I'll disown your name. We need God to take care of us, but we also need to be content. The third principle is margin. Margin creates space and gives you peace. Anyone been on their way to a meeting and been late? It's a 23-minute trip, and you're left with 18 minutes. You've gone on your Google Maps. You're now looking at the roads. I can ride fast, break the law on this one. I can do that. And then all of a sudden, you, you run into a truck, and you are going, who is this dude? Then you start driving behind some really slow drivers, thinking they don't have to be anywhere. They must probably left for their 23-minute meeting drive 33 minutes before. Anyone ever done that? I see some husbands looking at their wives. It's awkward, anyway. <laughs> You're creating stress. Margin takes that stress away. Have you ever been to a meeting early? So you get take you 23 minutes to get there. You leave there 33 minutes before. You arrive there. You are actually in such a great mood. You even grab a coffee. You're greeting everyone. Yay! Anyone? Margin's actually such a huge blessing. Uh, anyone on their way to a meeting, get there late, climb out their car and start shouting their excuse to the meeting while they're running there. This guy, and there was this truck and everyone's driving slow and the washing machine broke and, the da -da 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 and I couldn't find my keys. And I must admit, I hate the stress of being late. And I've been late. It's so not cool. It's a whole different way to live with margin. You know, when my girls come down, I try to get them up a certain time, get them down, because then they have breakfast. I can ask them, anything you want me to sign? Oh yeah, have you done all your homework? Sometimes I write, oh, I have to write two more words. Um, you guys got sports after school. Oh, I forgot to pack my netball. Quickly run up. But there's time, there's margin. But when they're late, having bread, hey, did you do a sign? Yeah, okay. And, then, and I forgot it. And then it's like, Gary, we have to get in the car. I'm going to get a demerit. I'm late. And we get to the car. Everyone stretched, drive to school. And you go, hey, just have a great day. And they're like, that was the worst start of my day in my life. Margin. I've had both those mornings. Listen, you and I live in Cape Town. You can make food and go sit and watch the most awesome sunset. I promise you, my girls would rather have me pack them food and go sit on the beach and watch the sunset than go to a restaurant. You and I live in the most beautiful, we've already been wise in choosing to live here. Make the most of it. You don't have to spend all your money at restaurants and that. You can go for walks on the beach. They're free. You can take, make food at home and go sit and watch the sunset. We're about to go in the most awesome season. You can make the most of the city and not feel like you're missing out. This year, I go to a restaurant. People go, can we sit here? Can't we sit outside? The best city in the world's out there. Let's sit outside. Let's watch the view. 
great margin. This Christmas, you can eat yourself into a coma to try to relieve yourself of the stress because you paid way too much for everything and you used your credit card. Or you can buy a few less presents, have a stress-free Christmas and really make memories and enjoy it. It's your choice. You don't have to spend all your money this Christmas. Create some margin. Number four, principle, generosity. The fourth, but 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, um, in complete eagerness and in your love for us, see that you excel in the grace of giving. Psalm 112, God will come to him who is generous and lends freely. Generosity is a character quality. It's not just an action. It's who you are as a person. You'll walk into a room, you'll see somebody alone and you'll want to be generous towards them. You want to greet them. Generosity is who you are. Become generous. You'll see people that need a, just a smile. You smile. How's it? You ne- it's, a, it's who you are. Growing that. It's a principle of peace. Number five, integrity. The Lord, Proverbs 20, verse 23, the Lord detests different weights and dishonest scales. Do not, um, and dishonest scales, um, do not please him. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 21. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. John Maxwell says this, it's so wise. The longest route to your destiny is a shortcut. Just because you got a quick gain, I promise you, you are on a long road. There's no healthy way to your destiny. In the minute, sorry, there's no shortcut to your destiny. It's only through health. So check it out, I'm like, that was weird. The longest route to your destiny is a shortcut. It's not worth it. Integrity. Then dependence. Final point. Principle. Give me today my daily bread. John 16 verse 24. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. They can leave that scripture up. You've not asked, why don't we ask God anymore? You know why? Because we value independence way too much. We value independence. Look what I've done. You and I were made for a relationship with God, relationship with people. We're not made to be islands. We value dependence so much that it overflows our relationship with God. We never come to Him in prayer. We don't ask. And He says, you have not asked for anything. Ask and you receive and your joy will be complete. It's a principle of peace. So, the son returns to the father. It says in Luke 15 verse 18, he says to himself, I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And it's his right. We know what sin is. Sin is to do the, thi- the opposite thing to we know what's right. That's to, to sin. That's Because people go, what is sin? Well, when you know you're supposed to do that for God, you don't do it. That's sin. It's that's what it says so he had done that so he comes and says I've sinned I'm no longer worthy of being called your son please take me as your hired servant so he returns he returns home to his father and while he's still a long way off his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him 
I'll let you know once you decide, once you come to your senses to come back to God, to follow His principles, to come under His covering, your Father will not point out your mistakes. He will run towards you with compassion and love. He's not a, a God who says, I told you so. He's a God that says, I've always loved you. I'm so glad you're home. He will take care of you. And you might go on this principles, on this journey of having peace and margin and dependence on Him and being obedient. And, and it might be a journey, but you'll be on the right road. You'll be on the right road. And so this morning, if you're in this place, you need to return to God. Scripture is so true. We see it in the story. As you re He returned. He says, you return to me. Come close to God. God will come close to you. He took a few steps to His Father. His Father ran to Him. And this morning, as you come close to Him, as you surrender your life and, and come back to Him and make Him the Lord of your life, He will come running. And you go, how, how do I know if He's Lord of my life? I've, well, you know that there's a few hundred verses in the Bible, a hundred times in the Bible, a few hundred, I think it's 300 times we, we read about Jesus being a Savior. But over 2,000 times we read about Him being Lord. A lot of us want Him to save us of our sins, but we don't want Him to be Lord of our life. And how do you know He's Lord? He's first in your life. He's not second. He's not third. You will know if He's Lord if He's first in your life. And you've heard me say, if He's not first in your list, He's not on your list because He's never played second fiddle to anyone. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord of all. And this morning, if you need to come back to God and make Him the Lord of your life, ask Him to forgive you of your sins and make Him the Lord, I want to pray with you. With every, can everyone just close their eyes quickly? For some people, they're going to ask God, to be the Lord of their life. And all I'm going to ask you to do with every eye closed, I'm going to just count to three and, and you can say, that's me. And I want to lead you in a confession. It's a confession where you confess that He's the Son of God. You believe that God raised Him from the grave and it says you'll be saved. You ask Him to be Lord of your life. If that's you on three, just say, that's me. I would love to lead you in that prayer. Just give me a wave and say, I want to pray that prayer. One, two, three. God bless you. Anyone else? Just pop your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Awesome. Let's pray together as a church family. Let's do it. Jesus, I'm coming back to you. Please be the Lord of my life. I confess my sins right now. Thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise in this place. So, for everyone who put their hand up, you can do it on our website. It's called Following Jesus. It's a seven-step course that you can do on your device, and it actually teaches you basic principles how to follow Jesus, because that's what it's really about. You're learning how to follow Jesus now.
He's the Lord of your life. So please do that. If you want us to pray for you, there are prayer cards in the seat cover in front of you or under your seat if you're in the front row. Our prayer team and our staff pray over these cards. Please fill out your prayer cards. Um, and then if you need info about view groups or your first coffee as a new person, the red banner. And then James Lucas is preached tonight. He's, a, he's got a phenomenal gift to teach. So it'll be a different uh, message. Join us tonight. Have an awesome Sunday. God bless you guys.